wow, could you feel that? <laughs> the stage is, was vibrating. I didn't know if it was vibrating where you are, and my sternum was vibrating too. I, I asked the tech guys, give us something to, like, to touch us. And so they, they did. They touched us on that. Um, <laughs> they did that, and I love what preceded that, though. The worship we've just done, we were singing about the same power that um, calmed the raging seas when Jesus spoke. And, and I've been pondering the, the raging seas in some hearts in this church that are raging over fear. Hearts that are just struggling deeply over some, over some potential loss that may come or some desired gain that won't come. And, and our setup of worship around that to say that, that there is this power to calm a raging sea. And if you have a raging sea around fear, then God is going to meet you in that. The song we sang about the Holy Spirit, about the Holy Spirit coming to to change us at the deepest level, to transform us to the deepest level, is his intent and his promise. And if you have come today and you have any, any lingerings of fear, his intent is to speak deeply into that. Ponder with me what you might have, have uh, fear over or have experienced fear over in the past. Maybe you've had fear of, of illness, of, of deep, dark illness. Maybe fear of, of you dying or fear of someone that you love dying. Maybe fear of loss of a job or loss of income. Maybe fear of being alone. Maybe fear of failure or maybe fear even of success. Maybe fear of abandonment, maybe fear of commitment, maybe fear of the unknown, maybe just fear of change, maybe fear of growing old. But no one is immune to fear in this life. No one is. I'm not, you're not either. No one's immune to fear. It's this emotion. It's one of the most common emotions that human beings experience. And, and I want to give you one, one basic premise um, from a message I taught last October the 18th about emotions. And you may want something uh, more about emotions, and you might want to jot down October the 18th, 2015. You can go back and, and pick up the entire message. There's this one main premise that is this. A healthy emotion is one that is responding to the whole truth. A healthy emotion is one responding to the whole truth. I'll give you an example. Suppose that, that uh, you are looking through the clearest water you've ever seen. It is, it is crystal clear. You can see the, the water level. The surface is, is maybe 10 feet above, but you're looking through the clearest water you've ever seen. And there's this, this peace and this passivity about it. And then suddenly you recognize there's this killer whale that's moving toward you. And he moves quickly toward you and he pauses like five feet in front of your nose. Okay, that's the truth. What do you feel? Fear, maybe some fear, right? Okay, but I haven't told you the whole truth. You made a trip to SeaWorld. You've just taken an elevator down to this viewing deck, this viewing area, and there are 50 other people, and there's this huge clear material that the insurance company is guaranteed will not break, okay? And the killer whale is five feet from your nose, but, but you're safe, so now what's the emotion? Probably not fear, maybe a little bit, but probably more of wonder and amazement. It's a healthy emotion is one that is responding to the whole truth. So, so where is God in your fear today? It's in the, the context of this bigger series that we're in right now. So let me give us some context around it. The series is Where is God Today? We have these two anchor verses we've covered. I've challenged you to even memorize those. I'm going to put them up on the screen and do something we rarely do. I'm going to ask you to actually to read these with me, okay? So Colossians 1.15, we'll put up. Read this with me. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. 
Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So if you see Jesus, then you see God the Father as well. There, there's so much, the similarity is, is so remarkable. Jesus could say that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Paul could write that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Okay, second passage that's key is Hebrews 13.8. So we'll put that up. Read this with me as well. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we're looking back at where Jesus was 2,000 years ago and what he did 2,000 years ago in the Gospel of John, chapters 10 through 21. And today we're in John 14, which is on page 823 in the Bibles, if you picked up one coming in. So John 14, if you have a Bible, you might want to turn to that. I give you some setting about, about this. The previous chapter in John 13 has set this up. It is, it's a Thursday night. It's a night that Jesus would be arrested. The very next morning, he would be crucified. Jesus is gathered with his disciples, with the 12 of them, in some upper room in the city of Jerusalem. And he's already described things to them, and he's already said one of them will betray him that night. He's already said that Peter, who is the leader among the disciples, will deny even knowing him that night. And in Matthew 26, 31, he's already told them, although John doesn't record it, he's told them that all of you will be scattered. And so they're, they've got this message from Jesus that this band of brothers is unraveling. It's rapidly unraveling, and he's told them for quite some long time that the day would come he would be crucified and, and die. And now he said, it's upon us. Now it's about to happen. And so, so they, three years prior, they abandoned everything for him as the Messiah. They gave up their professions, their careers, their clear cash flow stream, all that stuff they gave up to follow him with abandon, with this belief he's the Messiah. And now where it's led is they're on the verge of him dying and they're on the verge of the ones who will kill Jesus. They're also making plans to kill others as well. They're making plans perhaps to kill Lazarus. And they know they may lose their very lives. And it's crystal clear. They are, they are filled with fear. In fact, the way 14 opens, it's, it's so clear that Jesus knows that. And I don't think it took divine insight to know. I think you and I could have been in the room and we could have seen and felt and, and cut the fear with a knife. They are filled with fear, but they're responding to the truth, but not the whole truth. They're not responding to the whole truth. And so Jesus is going to teach them some key pieces of truth that they're missing. And, and I've got to say this to you guys as friends, as the church. What he teaches them is not kindergarten level stuff. It's not kindergarten level stuff. He's teaching them maybe at junior high or high school level stuff and stuff that is intended to change the, like the core of their being. He's teaching them this stuff that would change the core of their being and would allow them to have this fear banished. It's, it's not simple stuff, but this is what he's teaching them that night. This is what he wants to teach us today as well. So in John 14, I'll start with verse 1. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you. So you'll always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. He's pointing them ahead. He's pointing them beyond. He's pointing them to heaven. 
he's, he's saying, I, I know what this moment has. I know what the coming day will have in it. But I want you to look beyond this, this moment of fear right now. I want you to look beyond that into heaven itself. And there's this foundational truth, and we're going to talk, I'll talk some to explain it. But the foundational truth he's saying is, is that today's fear must be viewed in light of eternity. Today's fear has to be viewed in light of eternity. I, do you think they would have felt better if he had said, hey, guys, I got good news for you. I, I, I'm going to die tomorrow, and I, as I've said, I'll rise from the dead on the third day. But you guys are going to live these long, carefree lives. You'll get to live till 80, and you'll die, and you'll sleep. It's going to be peaceful. And, and he knew that wasn't the outcome for them. He knew all but one of them, all but one of them would, would suffer a horrible death of execution. All but one of them would. He knew that. He's saying, I want you to look beyond this moment of fear, and I want you to take this glimpse of heaven and of eternity. In Revelations 21 and 22, it's the, the longest description about heaven you could ever find, and I would encourage you to read the entire chapters, 21, 22. I'll give you a couple of snapshots in 21. In verse 4, it says, this is about heaven, it says that he, God, will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. He's saying, take this glimpse into heaven. This is where you're going to be someday. And, and there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more death, no more tears. All of that will be gone. Then down in 27, it says, nothing evil will be allowed to enter. They're, in the moment they're in now, they're staring evil in the face. Saying, take a look into heaven. This is where I will be. This is where you will be. And you'll be there for eternity. And in that place where you will reside for all of eternity, no evil will ever enter that place. Take a look into heaven. Look beyond this momentary fear right now. Take a look into heaven, into eternity. Paul would get this in, in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 17 and 18. And, and in this very book to the people of Corinth in chapter 11, he would describe his circumstances that he's had and will likely continue to have. He'll talk about being beaten many times and uh, the attempts to stone him to death and nearly leaving him dead and, and the times he was shipwrecked and on and on and on. This is his life. This is going to be his life probably till he dies. But he writes to them in chapter 4, 17 and 18. He says, for our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. The, the truth is, today's fear must be viewed in light of eternity. There's a part of just, of just maturity in being able to do that. When I was a child, I still have memories of, of some of the shots I had to get as a child. I have clear enough memories to recall that I hated getting shots. And you know why, don't you? They hurt, right? There's pain. And when I was little, I would, I would have a horrible day. I'm sure I threw fits and I cried and I feared the moment because there was going to be this pain. It's all I saw was that momentary pain. I didn't have any glimpse of the improvement of life to come, the gain to come. I didn't have any glimpse of that. Why? Because I was four, five, six years old. I was this infant. I was this child. There's something about maturing that says, look beyond the moment. Sometime in the past year, maybe two, I have a, a good friend who began to suffer from shingles. You know what those are? 
I, I can't explain the medical details, but I can tell you they are extremely, extremely painful, and they last quite a while, oftentimes last quite a while. So I joyfully trotted myself down to one of the Walgreens or CVS or someplace and said, beg for a shot. Okay, give me a shot. I know it's going to hurt for a moment, but it, it might give me a better chance of missing all this other stuff as well. Look beyond just the moment. There's just a part of maturing about that. There's just part of maturing. Paul would go on and write in, in Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. He would say, since we've been raised to new life, and all of this is written to followers of Jesus. Uh, so if you are one, all this applies to you. If you're not, you can become one even today. I'll talk more about that. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. One translation says, fix your eyes on heaven. For Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. And then in verse 15, he says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Let it rule. Look beyond this, this moment of fear now, this circumstance of fear now. One of Maurice and my favorite songwriters and musicians who died an early death, a tragic plane crash at the age of 29, a guy named Keith Green. He was doing a concert one time, and he was talking about this passage in John 14 where Jesus says, I'm, I'm going ahead of you to prepare a place for you. And he said to the crowd that day, he said, do you realize that Jesus has been preparing a place for you in heaven for 2,000 years? If, if it only took six days to create the entire world, can you imagine what's waiting for you after 2,000 years of preparation for you? Fix your eyes upon heaven, not on this momentary fear that I have now. What, what will it be like, whatever your fear is now, if the fear you have now all comes to fruition now, imagine after you've been in heaven for a hundred years, how whatever that fear was wrapped around would have begun to diminish. Imagine after a thousand years in heaven, what it will look like to you a thousand years down the road. Imagine 10,000 years later, whatever the fear is about, whatever the pain, suffering was, or a million years, or a billion, or a trillion, or eternity. Jesus was saying that night to his disciples who had a fear we could well understand. They were about to lose him, and they thought they were about to lose their lives as well. Everything they had dreamed and hoped is all seems to be dashed, it appears to them. He's saying, I, I want you to just pause for a moment and take a look into the eternity of heaven with me. And, and the wonder of that and what's coming there. Today's fear must be viewed in light of eternity. Whatever fear you have brought today, Jesus is saying, view that in light of eternity. He goes on then in verse 6. It says, Jesus told him, responding to a question from Thomas, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's saying, you will find your way in me. You will find the truth in me. You will find your life in me. He was saying, I am everything you need. The, the foundational truth for us is Jesus is everything you need. And, and this, is not, this is not a platitude. This is, again, this is not kindergarten stuff. This is at least high school level stuff. This is this deep reality. He's saying to them that day, I'm everything you need. And if you think about the fears that we have, 
they're based upon a fear that we might lose something we think we have to have. Or we might fail to gain something we think we have to have. We tend to think we have to have Jesus and. We, we cannot navigate this life well unless it's Jesus and. I had been a follower of Jesus for a year or two, and um, I had a lot of Jesus ands. I had a whole lot of Jesus and this, and I'm good. Jesus and this and this. I had a good list. I'm good if I get all that. So I'm reading the Psalms one day. I'm in Psalm 17, 15. I'm reading the Living Bible, which tends to be a pretty good English version of what was originally written. But this verse actually isn't all that accurate, but, but there's this core truth in it that, um, that I read that day. I think God knew I, knew I needed to hear it. David's writing. He's saying, my contentment is not in wealth, but in seeing you and knowing all is well between us. My contentment's not in wealth, but it's in seeing you, knowing all is well between us. I was in the oil business, and I'd had these aspirations of climbing this ladder and getting more and more and more. And I'm reading that, and I'm hearing David say, I don't need the stuff. If all is well between me and you, God, I'm good. And, and that day, I, I got that. I don't need all the stuff. I, I, my contentment is not in in you and wealth, my contentment is in you and knowing all is well between us. But there are a lot of other ands. I give you an example of one of those that caused a lot of fear in a season. We had two young sons, Justin and Daniel. A month after Daniel's birth, Marie became very ill, was bedridden for the better part of a year. And so I'm, I have the parenting roles pretty much. And in that season of life, and, and I had I had known for a long time, you do too, that how a child is parented makes a big difference. And as, if you're a parent, I think you could relate to this. Marie and I were taking parenting seriously. And I recognized Marie was ill, and I realized I couldn't guarantee I'd be around the next 20 years. I could do all the stuff to be ca- careful and safe and healthy and all that, but I couldn't guarantee I could be gone in a moment. And so... I began to have this fear that kept leaking back in that, that something's going to happen to me. And, and, and I thought, I, I cannot be content. I cannot have peace. I'm going to have fear if, if I can't raise th- these two sons with the love and care they need. I, I cannot have peace. And this fear was cycling for a long time. And I had a lot of conversations with God. And most of them were, God, promise me just 20 more years. I don't need to get to the age of 80 or 90. Just promise me 20 more years. And so he answered me one night, and he answered with two questions. And the first question was, who loves Justin and Daniel more, you or me? It's a no-brainer. I knew I loved them as much as I humanly could, but I said, it's obvious you do. Your love is without limit. And then he said, Who has more power to care for them, you or me? And I said, it's obvious. You have more power to care for them than I do. And then he said, just trust them to me. Just trust them to me. And when that began to sink into me, within 24 hours, the fear I'd battled for a long time completely dissipated and never returned. It it never returned. And note this, he, he didn't say, I promise you'll get 20 more years. He didn't say that. He didn't say, you may not get 20 more years, but I promise they will have a long, trouble-free life. He didn't promise that. He just said, I love them infinitely. I have all power. Just trust them to me. Do not be afraid. 
do not be afraid. We tend to have these, I, I have to have Jesus and. And Jesus is saying, I'm everything you need. I, I have to have health. I have to have this job. I have to have this income. I, I can't be alone. So the questions are, and, and I could even float these at myself today. Will I get sick? I don't know. Will I lose my job? I don't know. The board's meeting this afternoon. I don't know. <laughs> Will I live alone? I don't know. Will I die young? I know the answer to that one. <laughs> I didn't die young. Some of you guys, it's up for grabs, but not me. I'm not one that died young. You still have that one hanging out there. Not to be a downer on this thing or anything. It, it, isn't it, aren't our fears somehow tied to this sense, I need, if you're a follower of Jesus, I need Jesus and? If I don't get that, if, so I'm fearful I might not get it. Or if I lose that, I'm fearful I might lose that. Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, the life. I am everything you need. Paul has this place where he's saying, there's this massive problem in my life. It will not go away. I keep asking God, take it away, take it away, take it away. And he says, Paul says, Jesus gave me this clear answer. Jesus' answer, my grace is enough for you. I'm enough. I'm not going to take it away. I'm enough. And Paul says, I discovered he was right. His grace was enough. His grace was enough. To, to believe that Jesus is everything you need, you must know at least this. You must know that God is good. You must know God loves you. You must know God has all power. Let me say them again. You have to know, and these are all true, you have to know God is good, God loves you, and God has all power. You have to know that. The, the loss that would hit me most deeply, and this would be true for a number of you, would be the loss of my family. I, I can't even fathom what that would be like. But Marie and I have this role model in Marie's parents. Marie's mom and dad were inseparable, 53 years of marriage, just deeply inseparable, uh, a lot of laughter, a lot of dancing, a lot of joy, a lot of faith. And Marie's dad uh, stepped into heaven, soon be 10 years ago, stepped into heaven. And if you've had a, one parent step into heaven before the other, your greatest concerns there are for the one who's still here, this side of heaven. And so we had those natural concerns for Marie's mom because her love for her husband, who was now in heaven, was as great as one could imagine. And so now 10 years have passed by, and, and don't, don't miss this. She has grieved deeply. And to this day, she still grieves, and there are many tears shed. To this day, there's still some tears that are shed. But in the course of the, of the entire 10-year run, in the midst of her still missing Ed, we've seen this woman who has shown Jesus is enough. And she's lived with purpose and contentment and joy. And, and there's this full life. In fact, she's driving here today. She would have been at this service, but it was foggy, and she lives an hour away, and she wants to live beyond today, so she didn't drive in the fog, and it's a good idea and everything. And so we'll be with her this afternoon and tonight and tomorrow morning. She and I go to McDonald's for breakfast. That's why I love her so much and many other reasons as well. But there's this, there's this living example before us. She lost what she treasured most apart from Jesus, but she did not lose Jesus, and she never will lose him. And she's this living proof to us that he is everything we need. 2,000 years ago, he filled people. 
He was saying to them, I am everything you need. I'm not going to promise you an easy life. I'm not going to promise you a good ending before heaven. You just need to know I am everything that you need. Just follow me with abandon. Trust me, follow me with abandon. One more key truth down in verses 16 and 17. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Okay, he's saying the time is going to come very quickly that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'll give you just some very brief theology if this is new to you. The Bible teaches us that there is one God, only one God. But he is a God of this complexity of three persons. It's beyond human understanding to sort how this works. But he's saying, I'm one God, but, but I'm God the Father, I'm God the Son, I'm God the Spirit. And Jesus is saying here, when I leave, in a very short while, then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit won't just live in the world, but to every follower of Jesus, everyone who's surrendered their life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit will live inside of you. And there are a lot of followers of Jesus in this room, and the Holy Spirit lives in you in his completeness, in all of his power, all of his wisdom, all of his truth, lives inside you. And Jesus is saying, he's saying, in other words, you will not be left alone. And at least twice in the Bible, it refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Jesus. And so the truth of this is that, that Jesus is with you always. Jesus is with you always. In, in this deepest, most intimate fashion of somehow the union is so close, he describes it as living inside of you. Later in the series, I'll go into more detail about that. And following this series in early April, I'll do a series on the Holy Spirit that I think has great potential for us. But in this passage itself, it refers to the Holy Spirit as, as the one who leads into all truth. And remember what a healthy emotion is? It's an emotion that is responding to the whole truth. So if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you and is ready and willing to, to show you the whole truth about your circumstances. The whole truth about your circumstances. You're not alone. Jesus is with you always. The Holy Spirit living inside of you. And then Jesus summarizes this in verse 27. His chapter's been all about fear. His chapter's been all about banishing fear. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I, I'm leaving you this gift of peace. The world cannot give you the kind of peace that I can give you. There's this deep depth of it. And we look at the book of Acts, which follows this just a few pages later, the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 2, which is 50 days after Jesus' crucifixion, 50 days after, Jesus does send the Holy Spirit. And ever since that day, everyone who trusts their life to Jesus, in that instant, the Holy Spirit begins to live in that person as well. 50 days after Jesus' crucifixion, uh, the Holy Spirit comes. And you see the disciples change from these fear-filled individuals to these individuals of enormous, unbelievable courage. Jesus banished their fear. And he was telling them how here. He, he was laying out for them. He was saying, let me tell you, there's some core truths. There's some key truths you have to get. Otherwise, you're going to be so prone to fear. But you have to, you have to re remember this. 
You have to view today's fear in light of eternity. Don't be stuck just in this moment. You have to live in this moment, but don't keep your view fixed on just this moment. Look beyond this moment to eternity in heaven. Today's fear has to be viewed in light of eternity. And then Jesus says, you have to know this, that you, you cannot attach your peace to me and anything else. I, I promise you me, he says, but you cannot attach your peace of mind to me and. You have to attach it to me and I will be enough for you. I will be enough for you. And then he says, I will be with you always. I will be with you always. Where was Jesus 2,000 years ago? Banishing fear. Where is Jesus this day, February 14th, in this room? He's here to banish fear. So what fear did you bring with you today? Maybe a fear of loss, illness, suffering, job, economy, being alone, fear of commitment, fear of abandonment, on and on. What fear did you bring today? I suspect for some you might even say it feels like I'm a slave to this fear. And, and Jesus would say, this morning, I want to begin the banishment of that fear. And it might be gone this morning. It may be gone, period. It may take 24 hours. It may take a week. But I want to begin the banishment of that fear. Whatever that fear is. And so here's, here's the encouragement I would give. These three truths, see if you've been missing any one or all of these. If you have, uh, lock these down. Put them in front of you. Read John 14 and see this is, this, is, this is reality. This is truth. This is truth. Jesus says this. He says this truth to you. He says you need to be sure that, that you look at today's fear is viewed in context of eternity. You need to be sure that you know that, that Jesus is everything you need. And you need to know that Jesus will be with you always. May May the fear be banished or the beginning of it, of the banishment begin today. Don't be a slave to that fear. Father, I thank you for how you worked 2,000 years ago. We can look in the book of Acts chapters 2 through 28 and see the reality that there were these very real people that are very flawed as we are flawed, very human as we are human. They had much fear. They had much to fear as chapter 2 of Acts unfolded, and yet they lived a life where, where fear was again and again just banished and, and sent running because they grasped and owned the truth that Jesus taught in John 14. May that be true for us today. Father, there's some here who none of this can yet be true because they have never had a relationship with you through Jesus. Until this point, they have never trusted their life to you through Jesus. They've never said to Jesus, would you forgive my sins? I need forgiveness. Would you forgive my sins? Would you lead my life? I give you leadership. I give you ownership. I will, I will follow your lead. You point the way. I will go the way. I'm yours. And for those in this room now, Father, that's this massive beginning for them that can then begin to spill into a life where, where they're no longer a slave to fear but they can live a life where fear is banished by Jesus himself. I pray this boldly with high expectations in Jesus' name. Amen.